What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Now let's kick this thing off. Mike Peterson is the director of Bitcoin Beach and widely thought of as a major catalyst for El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin, El Salvador, President Bukele, the local perspective, and how Bitcoin can help the country continue to grow economically moving forward. I really enjoyed this conversation with Mike, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is Circle. Circle is a global financial technology firm that enables businesses of all sizes to harness the power of stablecoins and public blockchains for payments, commerce, and financial applications worldwide. Circle is also a principal developer of USD Coin, USDC, which is the fastest growing, regulated, fully reserved dollar stablecoin in the world, now standing at more than $15 billion market cap and adding nearly $300 million of net new digital dollars in circulation every single week. The free Circle account and suite of platform API services bridge the gap between traditional payments and crypto for trading, DeFi, and NFT marketplaces. I've had Jeremy Allaire, the CEO of Circle, on the podcast multiple times, and I really enjoy the approach that they're taking. Go learn more at circle.com. Again, circle.com. I promise that you'll be really impressed with that fully regulated digital stablecoin. Go check them out at circle.com. Next up is LMAX Digital. LMAX Digital is the number one institutional crypto exchange. They offer clients the deepest pool of crypto liquidity on the planet, underscored by a 100% uptime track record through volatility spikes. Leveraging LMAX Group's liquidity relationships and ultra-low latency technology, LMAX Digital is the market-leading solution for institutional crypto trading and custodial services. They feature a central limit order book, streaming spot Bitcoin, Ether, Litecoin, and Bitcoin Cash, all paired with US dollars, Euro, and Yen. LMAX Digital, if you've never heard of them, it's because you're not an institution. They are the number one institutional crypto exchange, measured through various metrics. LMAX Digital, secure, liquid, and trusted. Go learn more at lmaxdigital.com slash pomp or click on the link in the description. Again, lmaxdigital.com slash pomp. Go check them out. Let me know what you think. All right, let's get in this episode with Mike. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Anthony Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of him and the guests on his podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Mike, how are you? Doing excellent. Stoked to be with you guys today on this uh, monumental occasion. Absolutely. Um, let's start first with help everyone understand your background and kind of the origin story of Bitcoin Beach for those that don't know. Yeah. So I wound up in El Salvador about 17 years ago on a surf trip and fell in love with the country and talked my wife into buying a place here. And about eight years ago, we moved to El Salvador and just saw a lot of the needs in our community and around the country. And so we started investing in different projects and just kind of especially focusing on El Zante where we're at. And two years ago, we kind of combined my love for Bitcoin with the, the needs of the unbanked here and just seeing how Bitcoin could truly change their lives even much more than it's changed my life. And so about two years ago, we started uh, pushing Bitcoin out into the community through um, incentivizing kids to get good grades, um, doing different work in the community. A lot of things really focused on keeping them out of gangs. Gangs have have historically been a big issue in El Salvador. And so um, we never envisioned it taking off into something that would change the world's monetary system. But it's been, yeah, it's been a crazy ride. And when you think about those early days of starting Bitcoin Beach, um, what was the response? Did people look at you like you were crazy? Did it 
strike immediately. People are like, oh yeah, this makes sense. Let me start using it. Like, what was the reaction? Both. When you talk to the adults, they looked at you like you were crazy. You know, people, people my age, you know, looked at it like, uh, this is insane. Like, what do you mean? How do we touch a Bitcoin? What do you mean? No government backs it. Um, you know, they wanted to be able to physically hold it. And so it was really a challenge for them. But when we switched to focusing on the youth, for them, it was normal. They're used to living in a digital world. They're used to transacting digitally. So for them, it made sense that money would be digital and that it would be decentralized. And so they were kind of the ones that taught their parents, um, kind of like I have to have my kids help me set up my iPhone every time there's a new uh, version released. They uh, have helped their their parents and grandparents come along and start using Bitcoin. And, and once they do it a few times, they realize, especially using the Lightning Network and some of the newer wallets that are out there, just how easy it is. And so at first it's daunting, but quickly they get over that. Yeah. And today, if you had to describe uh, kind of the pervasiveness of this and the sentiment just in uh, El Zante, what exactly is the current state of everything? Obviously, Jack Mahler's, Peter McCormick, a bunch of other Bitcoiners have gone down and, and uh, you know, spent some time with you and the work that you're doing. But how would you evaluate where you are right now? I'd say we're still definitely in the early innings. Um, we have the vast majority of people in El Zante have, have at least used uh, Bitcoin in some fashion. Probably about half of them use Bitcoin, you know, pretty regularly, you know, weekly. Um, a lot of them daily. A lot of them are earning their wages in Bitcoin. Uh, definitely, a lot of them are saving in Bitcoin. And so, I, I, I'd say probably definitely more than anywhere else in the world, any other community, the the penetration of Bitcoin is probably ten times, you know, the next highest place, as it is here in El Zante. So it's been a lot of fun just seeing the network effects kick in and how real those are. When most people in the United States or North America, uh, kind of the developed world, think of Bitcoin, usually they actually think of it as an investment asset, something that they buy, it goes up in dollar value, maybe they sell it, maybe they hold it, but it's very much an investment, not so much a currency. My understanding of what's happening in El Zante is the exact opposite. Most people don't look at it as an investment, but more so they look at it as a currency, a medium of exchange. Is that an accurate portrayal or, or what, what is kind of the balance between maybe an investment perspective versus a currency as a like a medium? of exchange? I mean, people definitely look at it as both. It's definitely a long-term savings vehicle for a lot of them, but it's probably the inverse to that percentage outside of El Zante. I'd say, you know, most people are like 80% focused on Bitcoin as digital gold and 20% focused on, on the, you know, using it as a transactional money. Where in El Zante, I'd say it's the reverse. The 80% of the value comes from the transactionalness of it and 20% from the, you know, long-term you know, number go up. And so I think a lot of people don't realize, you know, the vast majority of the world doesn't have access to things like Cash App or Venmo or those sorts of things. So for them, even moving a small amount of money can be a huge headache, long bus rides, expensive. And so anything from trying to send $20 to, you know, your relative across the country to, you know, for myself trying to buy a vehicle here, it's a major hurdle to get money into the country and to move it. And Bitcoin just kind of breaks down all those barriers. When you think about the infrastructure itself, um, when I first started to hear of El Zante and Bitcoin Beach, it seemed like uh, it was a little bit more onerous. Um, the user experiences, the infrastructure wasn't quite there. Now, my take from what I hear from a number of different people who have been is it's much more kind of lightning network enabled. There's uh, micro payments, there's cheap uh, kind of fast transactions. What are people using for the most part? Is it the cash apps of the world? Is it Strike? Is it some other piece of infrastructure? And like, what does that user experience look like for them? 
We've actually uh, worked hand in hand with a with a small uh, upstart lightning company called Galloy Money, and we've developed the Bitcoin Beach Wallet, and we've been able to kind of integrate a lot of things that are innovative, like uh, there's a map function in there. So you can actually click on this map and see all the places that are accepting Bitcoin throughout El Salvador, and then actually pay them from a lightning payment directly through the map. They don't have to create an invoice or anything like that. We also use usernames and similar to how Strike is doing with the usernames. And so I think between Strike and the Bitcoin Beach wallet, the, you know, those are the ones that are primarily being used mostly because they get rid of the friction. I mean, it's just makes it very fast to do a lightning transaction, actually faster than cash. And so that was something we had to come overcome initially. Some of the store owners would say, ah, it takes longer. I have to create an invoice. I have to wait where this it's actually faster. And so I think that's very important as far as getting uptake on a real retail level. Absolutely. Obviously, everyone is talking about El Salvador now, uh, and I think most people know the origin um, of Bitcoin Beach and the work that you and your team has done there in El Zante. But uh, the president of El Salvador uh, obviously pushed through the legislation uh, and they now have started to acquire Bitcoin. What are people on the ground thinking about this? Is this a, a positive development? Is there concerns? Is there kind of a, a whole spectrum of reactions or emotions? Like, wh what are you hearing on the ground? No, there's definitely a whole spectrum. One, people have to realize it's become very political because the president is pushing it. The opposition parties are, are suddenly very anti-Bitcoin. Uh, I think if he would have tried to outlaw Bitcoin, they would be protesting in favor of Bitcoin. So, you know, you have to kind of throw out that just the normal politics that happen in any country. But on a real concern level, there are people here who just they don't understand it. They don't understand what's happening. They're being told that they're going to be forced to use Bitcoin, that it could drop, you know, the value could go down in half overnight. And you know, even today, we've seen the value drop down. And that's very concerning for people when they feel like they're going to be forced to use it. But that's not the case. The, the way the law is written, nobody has to use Bitcoin. It's something that I think the way they're trying to do it is for over time, people to slowly increase their exposure as they kind of understand the volatility of it. And so, yeah, I think it's just kind of natural for people to have those um, those concerns when something new is being pushed in. Yeah, it ma makes complete sense. And I try to remind folks that uh, politics penetrate all kinds of things like this here in the United States, El Salvador, and, and pretty much anywhere in the world. Talk to me about the uh, Chivo wallet and the ATM uh, plan that the president has where they're kind of, I, th I think they're putting 50, 100 ATMs around the country. W what is the general perception that you have? Right? You've got a very unique seat in that. Obviously, you're uh, a large Bitcoin proponent. Uh, you've been very active in helping onboard a ton of users in that country. Uh, and also, I think, um, you know, having the president kind of do this, you, you seem to be supportive of that as well. So how do you see the, the rollout plan um, in terms of maybe the pros and cons, in your opinion? I mean, I think it'll be disastrous rollout like any new technology rollout. I mean, even the U.S. government can't, you know, roll out something with all the resources they have behind them. So, you know, from from large governments to, to large tech companies, anytime something new is rolled out, it's very rocky at first. So I, I'm assuming it'll be the same here. Maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised, but I, I assume for most people, they won't be able to use the wallet this week. And then generally over time, they'll they'll kind of catch up with the volume. They'll work out the bugs. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, two weeks from now, people are calling this a failure. But three months from now, everybody realizing, wow, this actually works and it's revolutionizing the way commerce is happening in El Salvador. It's saving people money. And it's giving people access to the hardest money on earth that people are able to save and something that's not depreciating over time. And so 
I really have the, a long view of this. It's not a short game. This is definitely a long game. And I think the president here knows that. And so I think he will stick to it, you know, for the long term, even through the bumps. And yeah, so I would just tell people to hold their judgment till uh, we get at least six months out. That, uh, that, I think that's a very fair point. Uh, when you look forward, uh, one of the things I'm personally interested in is can El Salvador essentially embrace Bitcoin and potentially move from a developing nation to a developed nation? Can it launch itself forward uh, and kind of move up in uh, the world order, if you will? Um, how do you see Bitcoin impacting the country uh, economically and socially uh, over the next you know, 20, 25 years? Is it something that you're, you're ultra bullish on or how do you view this? No, super bullish. I mean, people... People overestimate what can happen in a year, but they underestimate what can happen in 10 years. And so I think the changes are going to be slow. There's going to be jobs. I mean, we're already seeing dozens of companies coming in, opening up legal entities, hiring people that are paying significantly above the, the local wages. And so you're going to have this influx, not just of better paying jobs, but opportunity for people to increase their skills. And that's also going to drive the um, people into furthering their education. Because that's been a big challenge here. People are like, well, why would I go to university if there's not going to be a job waiting for me at the end? And so I think 10 years from now, it'll be shocking the difference that we see in El Salvador, that the majority of the people will be going to university, that the majority of the people will um, not be working in cornfields, but they'll be working in the tech sector. They'll be working in the finance sector. And El Salvador will really be like a regional hub and leader, you know, similar to like a Singapore. Yeah. And when you start to think about uh, how important maybe let's start with the country's youth is right. Um, it seems to me that the Bitcoin as an asset could be hyper bullish for a country, but you need the people to participate as well. What has your experience been with the young people? You're, you described a little bit earlier that they immediately got currency that wasn't backed by a country and, and they seem much more receptive to it. Is it something where you see them just using it? Are they excited about it as a savings technology? Are they out kind of educating their friends and and, and talking to people? Like what, what do they seem to be doing? Because to me, they are the future of the country, right? No, they definitely are excited about it. I mean, of course, like anybody, their emotions kind of go up and down with the, the price fluctuations. And so, you know, when we were looking back in January and February, everybody was ultra bullish and, you know, super excited. Uh, you know, then we went into kind of the downturn and and people were a little more hesitant about things. Actually, we hardly saw anybody sell. Most of them held through that. Um, and so that was kind of really encouraging to see. But yeah, they are excited, not just about the, the fact that it can go up in value, but the fact that it connects them to the broader world. For the first time, they feel like proud to be here in El Salvador, that they're not 10 years behind the rest of the world. They're actually 10 years ahead of the rest of the world. And so they are leading this. And I don't think you can underestimate the impact that that has on people, just that hope and that motivation that there is a future here and they can be part of it. Yeah. Well, one of the pieces um, that I think folks need to be careful of is obviously uh, Salvadorians um, have great pride in their country. Um, and I think that they're very interested uh, from the folks that I've talked with in building a better future uh, for their country. But obviously, Bitcoiners from around the world, both in America and elsewhere, uh, seem to be attracted to the country now. Some of that is through the economic incentives. Some of that is just wanting to be around and, and uh, surrounded by uh, like-minded individuals. 
And so there's a lot of tourists or international travelers that keep going there. Any thoughts on um, how helpful those people from outside the country can be? Uh, are there risks to too many, you know, kind of non-Salvadorians coming? Is there resentment at all? Or, or maybe there's positive reception? Like, how do you just think about the local citizens versus those that are coming there because of Bitcoin? I think it's definitely mixed. I mean, we've seen a lot of people here come here for self-serving purposes. They're just trying to ride the um, you know, wave of publicity about El Salvador and tie themselves to it. And, you know, a lot of them with projects that I would view as scams. And so, you know, we're definitely concerned about that. But in general, I've been very impressed of the number of, you know, large companies that have come in here and have expressed this view of, you know, El Salvador is a small country. We don't assume, you know, we don't expect to make money here but we just really want to support what's going on and be part of it in some way. And so we're willing to invest, even if it doesn't pay dividends here, we feel like as far as for the overall um, infrastructure of Bitcoin and for the future of Bitcoin, that is super important. And so, yeah, we definitely encourage people to come to El Salvador, but not with a, a view that you're going to teach the people here something, with the view that you're going to learn from them. Like how are people really using Bitcoin in real transactional ways? These people here that are living in a, a tin shack with a dirt floor are doing, you know, hundreds of, of Bitcoin transactions a year, which is you know, dwarfs what even some of the biggest Bitcoiners in the U.S. are doing. So they really understand the logistical problems. They understand the infrastructure problems with with Internet connectivity and those sorts of things. And they can really teach the Bitcoin companies how to build products that can go out to bigger developing countries like India or or all throughout Africa. And so I think they can really use um, El Salvador as, as a learning center for what will work. And that will also benefit El Salvador because it just brings in all these high paying jobs and, and provides um, a environment where locals can start Bitcoin businesses that can thrive. What is your message or, or kind of guidance for those that can't travel to El Salvador? So plenty of people kind of internationally are very interested. They're watching this. Is there anything they can do to help or, or kind of further uh, the development of this? Yeah. So we we often will post things with projects that we're trying to, to raise funds to support, you know, the education of locals for them to go to university or things like that. We have a number of projects through the Bitcoin Breach Project that that we're always open to people helping financially support um, but I think also just to kind of keep following it and to have an open mind and to not jump to conclusions if we have like a bad month or we hit a roadblock, you know, this is going to be a long term game. And so I think we need to be in this for the long haul. My brothers are here with me. I think they've got a couple of questions as well. What questions you guys got? Hey, Mike, thanks for doing this. Uh, big fan of kind of what you guys are doing down there on the ground in El Salvador. My question would be around kind of the volatility of Bitcoin and what you've seen with the citizens using it there. So I, I think as a savings uh, technology and kind of uh, a save, savings platform for people to invest their money and save it, it makes a lot of sense. From a volatility perspective, I think a lot of the pushback has always been that, uh, from my understanding, right, if you go buy a coffee in El Salvador, it's a US dollar price, and then you give them uh, Bitcoin as an exchange. Have citizens complained or have you got any feedback or pushback on kind of the volatility of Bitcoin? Or is it something where they're seeing it appreciate over time so it's a little more comfortable? Or is there that day-to-day -day swing that makes them a little uneasy? I mean, I would say all. I mean, it's it's there's no denying that the volatility is a challenge for Bitcoin. The fact that, you know, the volatility has historically been going up I think is helpful. So people have that kind of long view that maybe, you know, they lose money, you know, in dollar terms this month, but, you know, overall, they're going to be in a better situation. 
Um, but I think that's just part of the process of Bitcoin monetizing, that it's trying to find its value. And so, you know, I think we still have several years of this, which is why I think it's the it was very wise of the government to put into the wallet the ability for people to auto convert. Uh, there's the ability for them to hold their value in dollars, but still utilize the Bitcoin payment rails. And I think that's an important distinction that a lot of people don't understand, especially the mainstream press. They don't understand the difference between you know, Bitcoin, the asset and Bitcoin, the payment rails. And so it's the Bitcoin payment rails that are really the most important for the country at this juncture. And that can be the, the volatility can be mitigated by holding in dollars and, and allowing that auto convert function. Gotcha. John, what questions you got? Yeah, Mike, thank you for doing this. Um, really a big fan of what you guys are doing, as Joe said. But um, I'm curious more about the the customers and the businesses. How are they interacting? Um, and then, like, is it kind of being adopted seamlessly by the customers and the businesses? And then what tools are the businesses specifically using to accept Bitcoin as a payment, to do any loyalty programs that they have? Like, what is it like from their perspective? So most of uh, the businesses that we've been working with here in El Zante are very small mom and pop businesses. So they're businesses that never would be qualified to accept credit cards. And so for them, this is the first time for them to have any type of mobile payments um, network. And they're just fascinated by the fact that now, you know, somebody can send Bitcoin from across town without having to be physically present and they can send a little delivery boy to, you know, go deliver them their pupusas or their groceries. And so for them, it's been a huge asset to kind of have this whole digital world opened up to them for the first time. Uh, most of them have been using the, the Bitcoin Beach wallet developed by Galloway Money. And that's because the team from Galloway spent several months here and have kind of learned how the people use it. They saw the things that didn't make sense to them. There's oftentimes a big disconnect from the developers who kind of live in their own bubble versus, you know, specifically people in a developing country. And so I think it's very important that we build wallets and tools that are actually what the users want, not what the developers want. Perfectly said. Mike, I got two more questions for you and then we'll uh, we'll let you go. Is one, when you think about uh, Bitcoin and the continued move forward, uh, the president is tweeting and he tweeted yesterday that they bought 200 Bitcoin. He then tweeted, they bought another 200. Uh, and then today during the dip, he essentially tweeted uh, that they bought the dip, bought 150 Bitcoin, said, thanks IMF, uh, you know, kind of in some way was using Twitter um, in a very different way than most heads of state use. How do you evaluate uh, Bitcoin, the use of Twitter and the El Salvadorian um, or, or the Salvadorian like economy and, and the people. Are they excited by this? Do they not like it? Like it, it just seems like it's so different that you could almost make an argument that it's good or bad. We were discussing it earlier on the show is, you know, it, it could be a positive for Bitcoin. It could be a negative. It could be a positive for El Salvador. It could be a negative. Same for the president. How, how do you view it in terms of almost like the real time uh, information sharing and, and the transparency and the engagement that maybe other heads of state uh, don't participate in? Yeah, I think for Bitcoin, there's no question it'll it'll be beneficial. I mean, even even if things go sour, or if something unexpected happens, and you know, there's a really negative impact. Just the fact that people are exposed to Bitcoin for their to the first time, and you know, that sticks with them. And so, I think regardless of what happens here on the government level, El Salvador will be a major hub for Bitcoin. Just because once people are exposed to Bitcoin, they they rarely let it go. As far as for El Salvador, I think there's huge opportunities 
Um, we've already seen it. Just the amount of earned media that they've gotten from from this decision. I mean, it's worth tens of billions of dollars, just all the focus that's been on El Salvador and mostly in a positive light, you know, looking at them being forward thinking and embracing new technology versus historically, they've only the news is only focused on El Salvador when there was a you know big gang shootings or things like that. And so it's really flipped the script on people's perception of El Salvador. And I don't think you can underestimate the value of that. And then also the number of companies that are locating here that like literally could not have pointed out Bitcoin on a map six months ago. And now we're opening offices here and not just paying better, but they're providing that opportunity for people to increase their education. And the people that are working for these companies now will have the skills to go out and start their own companies. And so I, I think regardless of what happens and regardless of the ups and downs, El Salvador is going to be the most prosperous country in Central America, maybe Latin America, you know, 10 years from now. And I think Bitcoin is going to increase because definitely El Salvador is not going to be the last country to embrace it. I'm hearing all kinds of rumors of, of other countries that are looking to go the same direction. And so I think it's just a matter of time till that happens. I'm sure right now they're sitting back a little bit to see how this works out. And if it works out well, they'll jump in. If if there's some you know big stumbles along the way, they'll probably wait. But you know, that might just be the difference between it being six months before the next, you know, announcement and 16 months. So I think it's inevitable that uh, that's the way the world's going to go. Yeah, I tend to agree with you, obviously, uh, more so than not. Uh, last question I have for you, which is a fun one. Uh, Bitcoin is in uh, what appears to be a bull run. Any price predictions or thoughts as to where Bitcoin's price goes through the rest of this year? I mean, I, I personally don't think we're done with the cycles. Um, I, I, I like this super cycle idea. I would love to think that we, you know, are, are going to have decreased volatility, but I, you know, I'm hesitant to make price predictions because everybody knows how, uh, you know, that's worse than trying to predict the weather. But I would guess somewhere in the 150 range, you know, into the end of the year. But I still think we'll have a big pullback in the next year. I hope I'm wrong, but that's kind of what I'm assuming. But I do know 10 years from now, it'll be, you know, at least 10x what it is now. And so that's more what I'm focused on. So you think 10 years, $500,000 or more is uh, is pretty safe bet? Yeah. I mean, easy. I, I I would make that bet all day long. So, so would I, my friend. I am making that bet, as I assume you are as well. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we've got your Twitter account here um, where uh, we, we've been telling people to go follow you and engage uh, at Bitcoin Beach. Is there anywhere else that you want us to send folks um, to, uh, to find more about the work you're doing or check out anything that you guys have built? Yeah, so we also have a website. It's just www.bitcoinbeach.com. Um, but we are we are more current on Twitter. The the website is kind of more of a static page, but it's a good place for people to go to to kind of see pictures of the team there and that sort of thing. All right, and then actually I lied. I have one more question. How good is the surfing down there? The surfing in El Salvador is horrible. Don't come here to surf. <laughs> it's absolutely horrible. Bitcoin uh, sucks it, and surfing yeah, in El Salvador yeah, sucks. Yeah. Perfect. Great no, message. <laughs> the surfing is amazing. It, it really is. It's. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to tell people that because I'm getting older, so it's harder for me to fight for waves. So I don't want the crowds to descend too fast. But uh, but yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing town. It's amazing country and lots of good waves and warm water and especially warm people. 
That's awesome, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for taking the time out of uh, out of this kind of historic day. And, uh, you know, just thank you from me and uh, my brothers and everyone else in the Bitcoin community. You've been doing some amazing work down there. Um, and I think the results speak for themselves. So keep up the great work. And uh, we'll definitely have to talk again in the future as, uh, as you guys continue progressing. Well, hopefully next time we talk, you're here in El Zante. So uh, just let us know when you're ready to come down. I I, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I almost made a trip uh, with uh, the second best Bitcoin podcaster in the world, Peter uh, McCormick, but uh, we couldn't make the uh, the dates work. So I'm going to come down there. Uh, but hopefully I come when he's not there. So everyone thinks that I'm cool because he's not there to uh, to outshine me, right? Well, he must have got hung up on something because he told me he was going to come barge in and, uh, you know, crash our podcast today. So he, he's probably <laughs> off interviewing the president or something right now. <laughs> no, no, don't give him any credit. He's probably he's probably down the street uh, either uh, surfing, drinking or on Twitter trying to figure out how he can get my attention by tweeting at me incessantly stupid things. Uh, <laughs> awesome, man. Listen, thank you so much for doing this. We'll definitely do it again. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys. Bye.